Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. What's up, guys? Before we get into the episode, I want to let you know we are finally doing our first merch drop at the Unlaced Podcast. It's taken us about 100 shows to get there, but we finally have a couple of t-shirts and this beautiful hat that I'm wearing coming to you in the next few weeks. Now, this is going to be an exclusive range. There's not going to be a whole heap of units, so if you guys want to get in quick, there is a link in the episode here. Put in your details. Give yourself the best opportunity to get one of these tees. This is the white-faded bony Heavy tea, I'm calling it the smiley tea. It's got some of the sayings from the show on the back. And of course, one of my favorites, probably the favorite, is the humanized tea. These are a bit heavy, oversized type t-shirts. You'll absolutely love them. Get amongst them early. I love you all for the support. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Unlaced Podcast. I appreciate everyone's patience for the past few weeks where we haven't been able to drop a few episodes because I have been overseas in the States, which I'm sure I'll go into and share some of the experiences we had over there. Uh, today's episode, uh, a good friend of mine, a hell of a footy player and an even better bloke, Adam Trelaw from the Western Bulldogs. Foot's in a cast, mate. <laughs> it is. Uh, thanks for having me. It's good to be back on uh, on the potty. <laughs> yeah, um, had a great time. Fun. Yeah, Dunks and I are on it. That's um, right. Last year at some point, which is good, but solo now, Dunks is away. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, in the boots, I, uh, yeah, it's a nice little accessory. Um Planned off-season surgery for me. So, uh, yeah, fortunately, I'm in a boot now. I was crutches and a boot, but that was an absolute nightmare to oh, get around. Oh, really? Yeah, so now just the boot. So what did you actually get done? Um, yeah, so I had a nerve issue from an operation that I had last year. So I uh, was dealing with a nerve issue all season. So, Fuck. Yeah, it was planned um, mid-year to actually have a look at um, an operation and actually went and seen a plastic surgeon. So that was quite – Funny, considering plastic surgeons don't usually yeah. deal with stuff like this, so <laughs> they're dealing with other stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, went and seen a plastic surgeon and essentially told me that I need to go in and um, have a look at a couple of nerves, and that's what he did. So Damn. yeah, rocking the moonbird. I've got a nice little scar that's like- Is that going to be there gonna for, be there, for a yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be my best scar, and I've had a few surgeries, Damn. so- Got a hammy scar and a shoulder scar, but this one's going to be pretty cool. And a little story I might be able to tell Georgie about <laughs> fending off a, a shark or something. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, should be a bit good. of mayo on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, can I can I ask transparently? Were you playing in pain with it, or yeah. Yeah, for, for like a chunk of the season? Oh, now, or yeah, pretty much the whole year. Yeah. So oh, I, de- I dealt with it over the preseason um, last year. Um, so building into this season, if you know what I mean. So uh, yeah, it was just got to a point where I couldn't really. Um, you know, it was kind of have the surgery or and and miss like six to seven weeks or just play through it. And you know, yeah, me being you, an athlete, yeah, yeah I uh, I was like, oh, I'll just play through it. So it was definitely times where I struggled a bit. And the biggest thing for me is um, the other issues that may arise from it. So if I'm running funny, mm. you know, nowadays I'm older and my, I've, I'm prone to soft tissue injuries. My calves and hammies then become you know, a bit flared. So that was another point where I had to manage. So um, it was frustrating at times because, you know, essentially I can't feel anything in my foot. So from like here down to my pinky toe, I couldn't really feel anything. The wow. nerves like numb and dead. So I was playing with that all year. So it was quite unique for me. Like, Can you do more damage to that or is that like it just stays that way? No, no. Nah, nah. So nerves, you know, I could imagine you've had nerve pain or yeah, awareness. Yeah, um, a lot of the times you get it sometimes when you have a dead arm and you, it gets real dead and you just feel like you can't really lift it, but you can feel like shooting that's awareness. So kind strange, of thing. So that's kind of what it was for me. So mm. it was only really the pinky toe running all the way down to the side of my foot. Um, and yeah, I would get tape and whatnot on it. And taking the tape off was the worst thing because like I can't feel the bit of my foot, but I can feel it pulling off my skin. So it felt like... I can't really explain it. It's just like the creepiest feeling ever. So um, hopefully, hopefully, because nerves take a while to regenerate. It takes a long time for it to regenerate. So um, I'm not fully expecting to be, I guess, have the full sensation back yet, but hopefully over the next six to seven weeks, it can gradually come back and, right. yeah, I can have the feeling back. So when's the uh, when's everything all 
going to go to plan and be able to get back on the track have a uh, run? Yeah, well, so four weeks initially is the time frame of pretty much not, not doing anything. I um I actually had a uh, a checkup recently, and um you know imagine walking around in this for a few weeks and. Uh, the calf has start, started to disappear. And, um, <laughs> is it already? Around. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy how it all works. You don't really realize, like, you just think about the injury itself and the recovery for the actual specific area, but everything else that comes with it. So, you know, I've lost calf mass, lost, lost quad mass, lost hammy mass, yeah. and really important areas where for footy, you've got to make sure you're on top of all that stuff. So that's going to be the the next step of building that back up. So to answer your question, I think it's going to be pretty Pretty long recovery for me in terms of, you know, getting back to preseason training. Hopefully can get back running, you know, um, in the next month or so. And then, yeah, build into the season rather than train from, well, I think we're back early December, December all the way through. Yeah. I'll be building through December into the new year. And then, yeah, hopefully can hit the ground running post-Christmas. Well, I don't, I, I probably a lot of people know this about you, but you're, do you, are you going to struggle with having weeks off like that? Because oh. you're pretty, um, you're you're the height of professionalism in the AFL yeah, in regards yeah. to like I think you've spoken it on ads and dunks potty, which I absolutely love. But um, like how you pretty much set up your house, so is dunks, where it's like a practically yeah. your own recovery center <laughs> yeah. and gym and all that sort yeah, of shit. Yeah, no, it, it is it is been a challenge for me even now because <laughs> I just love generally being fit. Like I don't. You know, season's done. I don't really have time off. When I say time off, it's changed for me. When I was younger, it was always just footy training, footy training. Mm. Last couple of years and now, it's not about, you know, once the season's done, oh, I'm going to keep footy training and, and prepare myself for the following year. It's just about general fitness for me. I just mm. love being fit. So mm. the first initial, um, you know, well, the first couple of weeks, I didn't have this for two weeks postseason. So I was able to continue my just general training and I felt great. And then yeah. having an operation two weeks into an off season, it was pretty frustrating because then I go back to doing nothing and I um, I ended up getting pretty crook and I actually got tonsillitis being under. So I was under, it was a two and a half hour operation, which is a pretty long time. And Jeez. I can only imagine your mouth is just back like that open. So I've ended up getting like tonsillitis. So I've woken up with a horrendous throat. Sick. Was bedridden for like three days. <laughs> oh, that's so even worse. No training, no training, bedridden, couldn't do anything. Can't sweat, obviously, because there's a, a wound. So I essentially went a week without exercise, any form of exercise, which is – I haven't done that since I was 16 oh. and I'm 30 now. So it yeah. was an absolute nightmare for me. I would have been a pain in, to be around with Kimmy. Poor Kimmy would have had to deal with my angriness and stubbornness. But um, once I came good, I was able to, you know, do things where I wasn't really sweating. So yeah. I've now got the all clear to sweat. So okay. I can now start building up That's my general fitness. You, I know, I know. <laughs> That's dangerous I know. for you. So <laughs> after this, mate, I've got a booked in uh, <laughs> boxing class. No, got some- you got the Paw Paw <laughs> Patrol movie or whatever. I do. I've got yeah. the Paw Patrol movie with Georgie, but I'll be straight to a uh, session after that. But um. Yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge for people like me or even just athletes in general who love being fit. Mm. When you have surgeries, you can't really do much. So, yeah, um, yeah. And, and especially now, this time of year where, you know, you're going to events and, you know, you're, you're I guess, reflecting and celebrating on a season, you you go and have a beer and whatnot. So mm. you end up having four days a week where you're drinking beers, but you're not training. So it's like, <laughs> it's just like an absolute nightmare for me at the moment, but I'll be right. I think, mate, I think you've earned it. Uh, you had a pretty good year, man. I mean, I was actually going to... I don't know if it translates to the AFL, but they always sort of say it like when you sort of hit like that peak of your career, 26 or, mm. t- or beyond, you kind of expect your performances to be the same every week. It's not even like a chance. You know what you can do. Mm. But what you actually your output is is much more consistent. Are you at that point now where you every game you turn up, you kind of know what you're going to get? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. But I still have that um, mindset to improve. Like, And the minute that I don't, well, the second that I don't, I know that's my time that I'm done. Like, yeah, there's no yeah. point in me playing. But I'm such a competitor and competitor and a driven person that I still always think there's scope for me to improve. Yeah. Um, and as you said, like, I'm 30 now. I'll be 31 next season when the season starts. But the way that I've been able to look after my body and recover, especially these last five years where I've really prioritized it. And I feel like there's a lot of difference between guys going out at the age of 28, 29, because of the the demands of the game, guys that don't commit as much time to their recovery, I think you see they end up, you know, the body letting them down and whatnot. Mm. Um, And that's, you know, their own, you know, how they want to go through their career and whatnot. And there's no right or wrong, but I knew that if I want to keep performing at a high level, I just got to make sure I prioritize that. And I've done that the last couple of years. So it, puts me in a good spot to go out there and perform. So 
mate, I'll still have the same mindset next year. Um, you know, the only thing that drives me now is is winning. And and we had a pretty disappointing season in in terms of not being able to play finals, considering the group that we have. And and I'm still adamant that the group that we have is as good as any group out there. And you know, we, we've got some great um, pieces. We just weren't able to put it together this year. But I feel like you know, when you have a year like we did, you, the group comes back hungrier and stronger and has the motivation to want to win and, and achieve things. And I, I genuinely feel like we can do that. And, and I'm well and truly a part of that. Yeah. There was a lot of like positive, like, like, uh, Jamara's season mm-hmm. this, this year, he's taken a huge turn, hasn't he? He's like, I mean, what's expected, I yeah, guess, but it's yeah. that when you start seeing it happen, yeah. it's so exciting. Well, you know, being the number one draft pick, it's always pressure straight away. And that's the unfortunate thing of being the number one pick. And he had that from the get-go and that was obviously 221 where we played in the grand final, but he wasn't playing. So I know that was a really challenging year for him yeah. considering, um, you know, as I said, pick one. But, you know, you see the work – I see the work that he puts in and the effort that he's put in the time and, um, you know, the effort that he's put in with Aaron Norton and Josh Bruce who's not there anymore. But those guys have really mentored him and helped him along the way. And mm. you started to see a lot of, um, you know, what he'd been putting into practice come out. I, th- I still think he knows – the consistency side of things. So he has games where he can absolutely dominate and show his talent. But then there's games where, mm. you know, he may get the best defender and how he can work through that is where he's probably getting to at the moment. But yeah. it's exciting for us because, you know, if he can find that consistently a lot more, it's going to go a long way to us winning. I feel like he's got to, got to be mentally tough to have those oh, initial yeah. few years that he did and yep. and st- perform and st- stick at it. And Yeah, well, you know. I think there was guys in his draft class that were playing and I don't know the name to the top of my head, yeah, but there was guys playing – regular regular football and he wasn't but the the unique thing is for him usually what happens is when you pick one you go to the team that's finished last but because we had the the academy selection and whatnot we had the rights to the pick one he's come into a team that had a an established forward line with Aaron Norton Josh Bruce had his best year we had guys that were coming in so it was always going to be a challenge for him but it's great to see and it's just really exciting for him now going forward because he's you know has the potential to be one of the great forwards in our competition Mm. You know, actually, just to go back on the comment you said before around the sort of sacrifice and dedication you're, you're putting in off the field. I actually reckon our generation through, well, probably even a bit younger than us, but like through our upbringing, we weren't really taught, we were taught recovery and stuff, mm. but we weren't really taught the, how incredibly powerful that is, as well as like the mental aspect of training Absolutely, the brain and stuff. Right. And I think that's something you've adopted really well, which is- Well, you've kind of just adjusted, as you said, throughout the, the time. Like, as you, it wasn't prioritized. Mate, it was nah, trained not harder. at all. That Drink cement. Get out. It. Do you know what I mean? Literally, yeah. I, I remember AOS. Duct tape your ankle type yeah, stuff. Much, yeah. Oh, you've yeah. got a swollen ankle. <laughs> yeah. Just tape it. You'll yeah. be right. Um, I remember doing AOS AFL Academy back in 2009, and this was um, the elite of the elite. Like, you know, when you um, – I don't know what it is now. I think there's still the same format, but it was the 30 best 16, 17-year-olds would go through a, a yearly like – not induction, but you have four or five camps where you're exposed to elite level um, training and and whatnot. But I remember the recovery side of things wasn't really that spoken about that much. I mean, you, that's how you to do an ice bath and whatnot. Yeah, it's but, very basic though, but wasn't it? Wasn't, it? Yeah, it wasn't in depth with, you know, you see people do, you know, I'm massive into my infrared sauna and the contrast hot and cold with you got that. One, you got one in your house? Yeah, I got one at home. Yeah. So commonly go in that and go at the back, jump in the cold water. I feel like that is huge for the body in terms of information and getting rid of or fast tracking your recovery post game. Mm. Um, you know, uh, chiro, uh, what are they? Cryo chambers that everyone yeah, goes in. I've, yeah. I've, I've never done, done my fair share of are that. They, are they great? Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is each to their own. A lot of it, it really comes down to what the athlete, how they react to it. I mean, I'm not going to go there and tell you to do cryo chambers and that's going <laughs> to prolong your career. Like it's, yeah. it depends on the athlete, but yeah, you know, the exposure to that is, and then trying that is, there's no harm in trying it. And, you know, I see guys like Jack Crisp, he's hasn't missed a game in 250 games, whatever yeah, it is. And yeah, he, he, he loves his cryo chambers, does it weekly, does yeah. his saunas weekly, does things that helps his body. So yeah, I think nowadays and the way that kids are coming through, um, they're taught that to prolong their careers. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, before I go into, I guess I do want to break a bit more down your season, the doggy season, because I actually, I've I come, come and watch you play a few times this year and your team for me is so exciting to watch. Live yeah. as well, like there's just so much going on. Yeah. Like you're, you're kicking to a forward line with, Norton in his headband and Jamar, and then all of a sudden Waitman's kicked yeah. forward after Bond a quarter and you're like, what's going play on? Forward as yeah, well. then, yeah, just, it's ridiculous. But um, the grand final, for those who are, who are watching, that we, we are shooting this before the grand final, so we can't go into the result, but 
We obviously do have Adam Shaw that played a part in for Collingwood in the 2018 grand final. I just want to get a bit of the insight of the emotional dump after a grand final, which you obviously you experienced the unfortunate side of one um, losing um, against West Coast. But just that week after, sort of what, what's that actually like? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I remember it vividly. I'll, I'll, you'll always remember moments in your career, and that's one, the 221s one as well. But, um, you know, I remember – I remember obviously being in the change room once we didn't win and, um, you know, a lot of people probably know the how the 2018 grand final played out. It's mm-hmm. commonly spoken about as one of the, or well, if not the best grand final that's been played in the history of the game. Um, I remember obviously there was, you know, that much disappointed. There was disappointment. Um, I, I reckon it'd be fair to say most guys shed a tear and, um, you know, the emotion of seeing your family after the game was probably the overwhelming um you know, sense of well, emotion, as I just said, you know, I remember seeing Kimmy and seeing my mom and I just burst out, burst out into tears because you're kind of just ro- riding this wave and, and no doubt the guys, as you said, we, we will, won't know the result yet, but when the podcast gets released, the result will be known. Who, who, so who you, I know your allegiance is with Dunks, but you, like many, te- like many people <laughs> who have played against them in particular, uh, and obviously everyone knows how good Collingwood is, but very big on Brisbane, aren't you? Like this, there's Well, t- yeah, for me it's hard because I sit on the fence a little bit because, yeah, but you, you know, I've played. Yeah. I, I love, it's the worst fence I've, to sit on I, for I, you. I, know, <laughs> I, I love so many guys there and, and I, I would love for guys like Howie and Pendles and Steele, these guys to win, but obviously Dunks is my best mate um, and I'll be sitting with Dunks' family. So I'll uh, be sitting on the fence a bit, but I'll be loving it if Dunks wins, obviously. But in terms of the game itself, taking away the emotional side. Yeah, yeah. I think Brisbane have the best team. They've had the best team all year. Um, and, yeah, I think they'll go into this game fully confident that they can get it done with their side. But I feel like the MCG, um, you know, I know it's going to be uh, – the grand finals are always is 75% corporate, so there's not many mm. a side pick. But there's yeah. the Magpie Army is going to come out, and they're yeah. extremely loud, and they're definitely a 19th man, if you want to call it. And, and I feel like if Collingwood can – start the game, um, you know, the way they have with that, uh, the supporters on their side, it's going to go a long way to them winning the game. To answer your question, who I think is going to win. Yeah, this is oh, a, this is a pre-prediction. Just, it's honestly <laughs> such a hard one. Could because, be cake on your face here for next week. <laughs> it's, it's a hard one because Brisbane's side is so good. I'm going to say, I'm just going to back the side and back the Disregard where it's been played. I'm going to back the the years of experience they've had. They've been around there for five, six years now. Mm. I'm just going to back the Brisbane Lions and think they're going to get the job done. Yeah, because they, I mean, their track record in finals for always having good home and away seasons. They kind of get clipped early, don't they? Or they well before yeah. they should. And everyone for their talks about the MCG form. game, and mm. um, but they won they won a game there last year in, in that semi final against Melbourne. So I'm going to go out and limb and say Melbourne, but uh, Melbourne, uh, uh, <laughs> Brisbane. Yeah, I said Melbourne because Brisbane beat. Um, Melbourne last year in that semi. I'm going to go out and limb and say Brisbane. Yeah. Who do well, you think for what it's worth? Um, well, my I've obviously calling. I'm calling it by allegiance, so I, I would say I want to say calling it. But the only the only way I can see um, Brisbane winning is if like Danaher goes bonkers because I just Cameron, think yeah, yeah. That, that that sort of forward line because I think midfield like Lockie Neal is incredible, but yeah. Collingwood stack up pretty well there mm, as well. Mm. Mm. It, it's Collingwood's forward line that always keeps surprising me because they don't have a spearhead, but they all chime in. Yeah, they're small and that forwards, has been it's like money ball almost yeah, in the forward yeah, line. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that's what, that's what you want a forward line to be like. Yeah, so that You're, that fascinates me. And then obviously, as I said, this is before the final, but McStay out. So out. Taylor Adams. Yeah, Taylor out. Adams. I don't know if he's is he in? Is he out? Is he out? Is he out? Oh, wow. Rule so, out. That he would have been a big piece in the ground. He would throw his head everywhere. Mate, 2018, he was our best. He would have won the Norm Smith if we yeah, won. Yeah. He stands up in big games, so he's a big out. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. look, we're speaking in, uh, yeah. as I said before, but Ginevan, he comes in. That, that I think it all – Yeah. It, it's yeah. all going to be interesting. It's going to be a great grand final for us. I want worth. the pie because you experienced 2018 yeah. and I experienced mm. it pretty close to with Jordan. I don't know how much that hurt. So I just don't want to have and, to go And that's that why again. there's a lot of that for me yeah, as well. Of course, like, if Colin would win, it's, it's – I'll be as proud as ever for him because I've played with 75% of them that are yeah. out there. So, And I've got some great mates. One of our great mates, Emilio, is obviously a mad yeah. Pies fan. Yeah, <laughs> oh, mate, absolutely. Love him to bits and I know he wants them to win, Geordie, as well. So yeah. it's hard for me. I'm sitting on the fence quite a bit. Yeah, it's an awful grand final yeah. for you to be, yeah. be uh, being asked questions about. But um, your season, just to go into it, uh, you consistently surprised me. I think I messaged you after one of your games because yeah. I don't know how many touches. You had like, I don't know, 35 and kicked a couple um, against Port. And yeah, you guys didn't have the best start to that game as well, but you 
fought back in. I just like watched you as a athlete and a competitor. I was like, you mate, you just don't give up. And mm. you, you're getting touches for balls that, I, in my opinion, I'm like, that's how you get so many touches. Cause <laughs> I'm like, he shouldn't have got a touch there. Yeah. Like, he's been yeah. thrown around, yeah, like yeah, bat yeah. and got it out. Yeah. I'm like, it's ridiculous. But yeah, how did you assess your overall no, season? I appreciate that, mate. I, um, as I said, I, I pride myself on um, performing at a high level. But no, I, I genuinely feel like it was one of my, I feel like 2016, my first year at the Pies was probably the best season that I've had individually. Obviously, um, as I've gone through the, gone through my career, you start to realise your season kind of translates with how the season's going. Well, how you judge your season. Mm how your season's going as a team. And I feel like 221 was probably my most influential season. Um, that was a year that we, you know, I think we won nine games in a row at the start of my first year at the Bulldogs. Um, was that the – We uh, made the granny that yeah, year. Was that COVID Perth? Year. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I feel like in terms of season, that was probably my Mate, best you output. were unbelievable that year. Yeah. So uh, then I got injured, missed eight weeks with an ankle synosmosis. But I still had a um, really good year. But in terms of this year, yeah, I'm very happy considering – the interrupted preseason that I have. But as you said, like I go in to the se- games expecting that I'm going to play well, my role. that's what I mean, yeah. Like, I, I have an like expectation. A, I feel like because of how consistent you mm. are, I'm just assorting to not just your skill set but your mentality to be able to. Well, yeah, but it's hard because, you know, we didn't make finals. So in terms of that, yeah, that like, I, it's hard for me to look back and think, oh, buzzing, what a great year we had when – what a great year I had because I don't – mate, I don't care about myself. I care about performing at a, at a high level but I just want to win. and. Yeah. The minute of the you know once we make finals and and compete, that's when I'll know I've had a successful year. So mm. I'll still perform at a high level, but mate, I just want to win. I just want to play finals. I want to win premierships. I haven't won one before. I want to win with this team. So um, hopefully, this time next year, it could be a different story for us. Yeah. Well, but do you know what? I'm going to bring out something you're not going to like, but it's one of the things that you I know you don't like. But you hate that you haven't had a hundred games at one of your clubs yet. Hate it. Yeah. I love how you know that. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. I, um, you, you, I was 96 name, maybe. For, for how many games have you played now? 231, I think. 231. And for the quality player you are, to not have your name on a fucking – To not have games. your name on a little thing. And I'm sorry to bring it up, no, but right. you told me this. Well, I love how you know that. No, I remember that. you told that. me. So, yeah, but that's why I'm like the Bulldogs, Bulldogs is a teammate because – Well, that's – I, you know, obviously being quite open about when I leave in Collingwood, I never wanted to leave obviously. And mm-hmm. now being at the Bulldogs, like there's always talk come the end of the year about – leaving, but I don't want to. Like yeah. Bulldogs is where I want to be. It's a team I want to play for. Um, I love playing with the boys that I'm with and, you know, the way they were able to embrace me and welcome me. I mean, I would love it if Dunks was here. I love Dunks and mm. I'll never, you know, I'll never take for granted the how he made me feel. That was when I first went to the Bulldogs. I was so daunted and I don't know what the players thought of me. I was a rival player, obviously, you know. Were you nervous? Oh, absolutely, mate. I, it was, yeah, I was I, so scared, man. And the way that he embraced me, that's why – we're so close because of that initial five, six-week period where he really embraced me well, and like, made me feel you comfortable. When you say that, like, can you give us a little bit of detail? Well, he just, of like- it was. it could have been easy for him to, you know, I'm an established player. When I went there, I was the, I think, played the most games. Oh, really? Yeah, I think maybe Steph Martin might have had five or six more than me, but I'd played the most games on paper. And you're going in there kind of like oh, shit mate, and bricks. I, was, I didn't know what they thought of me. <laughs> he could have easily, all of them could have easily just... You know, left me in my own space, and oh, he's fine. He's played 180 that shows games. How humble you are, though. Yeah, I would have walked in with a fucking <laughs> nah, a nice nah. car wheels, throwing the keys, yeah, had the young punk. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, man. <laughs> um, but no, nah, he was there, and he put his arm around me, and, and I would never take that for granted. Kim, Kim wasn't around. Like oh, I literally was just mm, me, and that's right. And the way that he took—that's why we're so close, and I'll never um, forget that. But so uh, there's a lot of me that wishes he was still with me, playing with me, and um, but yeah, to, an- to answer what you were saying, the hundred games—that's why I want to be here. I want to. I've played, I think, 60 games now for the Bulldogs. I want to play 100, but I want to win a premiership and yeah. whatnot. And I feel like I'm a Bulldogs man now. So um, the 100 games does uh, hurt me a little bit yeah, because yeah. Georgie, she can play – she can go father-daughter because it's only one game ah. for a father-daughter. So she has three. I've oh, played really? at the Giants, Collingwood, and the Bulldogs. So I if she plays footy, she yeah. can go to either one. But <laughs> if I have a boy um, – he doesn't have the father-son rule. Yeah. And, and you can see, you look at Nick and Josh Dacos and, um, you know, Tyler Brown, Callum Brown at Collingwood. We've had Mitch Wallace, Tom Libertore, Lockie Hunter. These mm. guys have been father-sons. You could show how important that is to footy clubs. And hopefully if I do have a boy, I can get 200 games for for the Bulldogs and – yeah, I'll tell son. you what. But one thing about that boy is he'll be running hard and training yeah, from like yeah. 15, 16. Because I'm going to go into a few Adam Trelaw stories that I do have from um, 
you know, the areas that we, oh, yeah. well, you grew up in in particular, but we're sort of the southeast of Melbourne anyway. Um, but just uh, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of the Bulldogs. I love watching you guys live. But one guy that really shook me, I mean, everyone knows he's a superstar, but uh, Bontempelli, oh. um, watching him live, it was like, fuck, he's, it's, it's, he's a different, different, oh, different absolutely. stratosphere. Yeah, you know he's, I mean? you say that. That terminology, like one of one, people say, where yeah. LeBron James and Michael Jordan, these guys, he's definitely one of one. Like you haven't seen many. I don't think I've ever seen a player like him. I mean, I've been around obviously Scott Pendlebury, but um, I feel like it's a little bit different. Pendles has his own strengths where Bont's, I don't know, like it's just uh, the way that he can just put you on his back and physically get you over the line um, in a game is just I've never been around that. Um the way that he relishes in in pressure situations. Again, I've never been around that. Pendles does it in his own way in terms of his leadership and puts himself in the right position and and can just get his, get get a team over line with his leadership. Mm. Bond can do that, but a lot of him getting the team over line is just by physically what he does. Yeah. Um, and that's all between the eyes, mate. That's all mentally. He wants to be in that position. Is he a big talker? Is he more of a doer well, as, as that leader? Yeah, he definitely is. Yeah. And, and I know I've only been around him now for three seasons and I know that he's – grown in that aspect, but a lot of it is physically what he does. He wants to be, if there's a, if there's a, you know, if it's a center bounce or a stoppage, he wants to be in that center bounce mm. or be in that stoppage because he knows he'll just win the ball. If we need to kick a goal, he will put himself up forward and, and try and kick a goal and take a grab, whatever it is. And he's genuinely going to go down as probably the West greatest Western Bulldogs player of all time. Yeah. You could arguably you say, say now? he is now. Yeah, that's, that's what and I was And we've say. had guys like Chris Grant, um, <laughs> Brad Johnson, Scott Rowan West. Smith, Scott yep. West, and these guys are legends. These Tom Liber- uh, Tony Liberatore, um, these guys Teddy are champions. Yeah, Teddy Witten, yeah, um, yeah, that's rude. Doug Hawkins. These guys, yeah. he can probably put his name up there already, and yeah, can only imagine what he's going to achieve in the next four to five, six years. Yeah, but well, yeah, he's incredible, mate. Well, what has happened that we can talk about was the Brownlow. Um, yeah, oh, mate. I'm not going to say. Lockie Neal is a superstar yeah, player yeah, and, and yeah, deserving yeah. winner, no doubt. But, geez, there was a couple that Bont, Bont was stiff. Dacos Dacos almost stiff. held on. Yeah. Almost held on. Six games, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, there's been a bit of talk about it. I definitely feel like there needs to be a review in it because just because of areas where votes have been, like there's games where, and everyone's talking about the Jason Horn Francis game where, He's had 13 disposals, well, one yeah. tackle, and 34 ranking points, and yeah. he's polled three votes. That's, yeah. That, that's, well, um, no disrespect to Lockie Neal, but there was a game he had 13, yeah, yeah. 13 kicks oh, and seven handballs. He's the first to admit it. Yeah. We did a pod, um, obviously, ads and Dunks potty. We did our pod and we spoke about it, and Dunks was in the room talking about how he even said, oh, wasn't expecting votes there. Yeah. Charlie Cameron kicked seven. Josh Kelly had 41. Like, you know, and, and I know apparently, oh, well, I don't know this, but apparently umpires aren't prone to the stats after the game. Yeah, I see. I, I knew that was a historical thing because mm. I actually was at um, a double uh, Brownlow event and we were sitting uh, on our table was Chris Judd. Yes. And someone was saying to Chris Judd and Chris Judd sort of questioned it, but like saying that the umps may get the stat sheets now, but back in his day, it was just all by the eye. But it, I don't think it's that can be the case now. Some of the, some of the, it cannot be. It yeah. clearly has to be. And I'm a, it's funny because on the potty, on the ads and dunks potty, we, we, weekly we talk about stats and how, it's kind of taken over our game. Can be in a positive, but a lot of it, in my view, is negatively like strewed. I don't, yeah. you know, things like kickouts. You know, I don't think kickouts no, should be a stat. That's yeah. Because at the end of the game, commentators and everyone references stats as, "Oh, this is the be all and end all." So it's funny because I'm kind of contradicting myself in a way because umpires could look at a stat and go, "Oh yeah, he's the best player on the ground because he's had 35, but the 35 mm. might not have been good." What I think it'd be good in a beneficial way for the umpires is to kind of solidify what they're thinking in their mind. So if they walk off a game and they've gone, oh, you know, Lockie Neal in my mind has, I've just noticed him everywhere. He's been a beast around the ball, like the umpire. I can't imagine what they're thinking. Mm. But if they grab the stats, they can kind of realize, oh, yeah, he, he has been good. He's had this amount of touches. Where I just can't, you know, to, I can't see in a game like the Horn Francis game and, and Lockie Neal where he's had three in a, in a 20 disposal game where Charlie Cameron's kicked seven. Mm. Um, I can't see they they mustn't have looked at the stats. You can't. You yeah. can't have gone and looked at it and gone. That that yeah. How does that you know work? what I mean? So, I feel like after every game they have to have some form of exposure to it mm. or goals at least. Because how can 
you know, how can Charlie Cameron not get three when That's he's kicked insane. seven? You know, Mate, it's and, it's sti- I actually think um, uh, Petrarca was was stiffed oh, a bit as well because there was a, yeah. some games where he yeah, yeah. pulled one or two and he kicked like four and had like 25. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. And it's funny, we keep saying Lockie Neal. We keep saying Lockie Neal. And it's not – mate, he is a, a deserved winner. And we were saying, Dunks and I were saying that he's not getting spoken about enough. Like mm. they've won 18 games or 17 games. He's probably the best player in the team. He's going to poll three or two votes. Yeah. So I was saying he thoroughly deserved it. It's just games throughout the year where there's players that, you know, even Nick Dacos, some games where he didn't get three where – he was universally the best player on yeah, the ground. Yeah, that's very you know? true. He was best like, round seven or eight or something. Round missed. three, I think, against Brizzy, he had 40 and kicked two yeah, and didn't get, get a vote. Yeah, you know? correct. And the and we know what the award is. So I feel like there has to be some, um, you know, some uh, change in a way to it. I don't think you take it off the umpires because it's such a no. proud, uh, yeah. historic, it's going, been going around for 96 years. It's what the prestige of the Brownlow medal is. Yeah. But, yeah, there's got to be some update on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're not we're not shit counting Lockie Neal here by any stretch because he's a superstar. And I think you'll back this up. But um, Paddy Cripps obviously played in the prelim up in Brisbane, and um, he was getting interviewed at this event on Monday, and he was just saying like, got asked who he thought would be the winner, and he said because Collingwood don't tag, he goes Lockie Neal, Norm, and Norman Flag. Like he 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 wasn't just saying that because he's a mate with Ball Magnets. He yeah. was like, mate, he's he's yep. that good. Oh, he is, mate, and he's yeah. he's cleaner than. He's the cleanest player I've ever seen. He's he's so quick for someone who's not like known for being fast because hmm. he's not. His first five to ten is as quick as anybody's, and because yeah. he's so clean, it goes hand in hand. You just can't stop him. So, and he's getting better. He's thirty years old, same age as me, and he's and he's just getting better. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, if they win, he wins the Norm Did you poll? You polled what four? I polled four, I think. Yeah, that's come through the window. It's funny then, because it was shots coming from the, it was, uh, uh, the it opposition. Was one here, of my mate. best seasons, but um, <laughs> yeah, I know. It, Oh, but that Dunk, Dunks but I, and I had a joke. We polled eight between us, four each. But so. is that well? I mean, Dunks probably can be joining that. But is that that part of being in such a stacked midfield? Is that I always? Guess. Oh, I but guess. Do you but just think. Well, well, I mean, you're a nice bloke. You, yeah, you never. I don't. I'll do spray the umpire sometimes. <laughs> but not, <laughs> not really. Not really. No, I was. I was a little bit surprised, but it doesn't really. I don't really care. Like I was there supporting Bonty, so. Mm. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter. But yeah, it, I don't know. I don't, Dunks and I were saying maybe we need to. Do a little bit more to could be the ads oh, and dunks podcast, mate. Maybe maybe, maybe they're <laughs> maybe just fucking they're watching. Up, they're not or... liking the content. Yeah, I don't know. I, hey, don't I know. actually just on that. I think I told you this. You, you're, you I love your guys' potty. It's um, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's 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 absolute killer. Yeah, I mean, the, we've got um, a great amount of support on it, and um, you said in the year you've got the uh, talking Bredo, obviously one of yeah. your producers. He's our yeah. producer, and yeah. we and we love him very best much. In the biz, mate. He is the best in the biz, and um, yeah, he uh, he does a great job for us. So yeah, we're loving it. We've had a great amount of support and to think now when I go to like school events and and um just anything involving kids and fans the amount of people that mention the uh do they really? at the dunks party uh, and we have stuff. this like celebration where yeah, we do the game mate, I know. Hey, we have so many kids do that to us and dunks had his obviously um been throughout the finals campaign he's on he's had like open events and the mm. amount of kids up in Brisbane that have come up to him and said you know, doing the thing. And he said he was running out for the prelim final and he was mic'd up for Channel 7, uh, like out on the ground. He was warming up and the amount of Carlton fans that were spraying him about his potty, it was pretty funny because, <laughs> you know, if they're not talking about you, you mustn't be relevant. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Oh, uh, well, mate, it's um, nonetheless, regardless of Brownlow stats or anything, I thought you had a great season. Thanks, mate. And um, well, I've, I've kind of spoke to you a little bit about your upbringing before, but I did want to go in on that because my opinion of you – before I actually knew quite a lot about you and, and sort of your your upbringing and so forth, was like just like the values of who you are, being such a great bloke, and then you translate on the field how consistent you were, all things that I think are very hard to be. And you didn't necessarily – I'm not saying you had a hard upbringing, but you didn't grow up in the easiest places as well of Melbourne. Like I'd say oh. it was one, one of the roughest parts of Melbourne. Oh, right? Absolutely, mate. And you're, you've come off pretty well polished. Yeah, So thanks, I'm just trying mate. to do the math there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, – I don't know if you you can share what you what you can, but just a little bit of a glimpse into. I don't think uh, many people know. No, mate, I'm always happy to share my upbringing. I love it. I um, yeah, I I didn't have much at all. And as I said, one of me, uh, one of our great mates, one of my best mates, Emilio, he um, we grew up together, and um, we grew up in uh, in obviously the suburbs of Dandenong, which is um, I don't know what it's like now. Is it, well, I go down a little bit, but it looks really nice, like that um. Yeah, Clough Street, I think it is the main street in Dandenong. Looks really good. Yeah, <laughs> but when we, when we were growing up, it was well, was rough as guts. War zone <laughs> was a war zone, and um, yeah, lived in a ministry house. Me and my family. My mum was a single mum at the age of 
16 and then um, ended up having me at the age of 21. You know, mm. I don't know my dad. I, I grew up just with my mum and my younger brother. Oh, sorry, my older brother. Um, and, you know, now my mum's husband, my stepdad, who has been with my mum pretty much since I was born. So um, we didn't know much. I didn't know much at all growing up. I, um, you know, was in a ministry house, as I said, from the from from as early as I can remember. Uh, when I moved out of my house, out of well, moved up to Sydney to play for the Giants when I was seventeen. You know, my bedroom was the hallway. I had a single mattress in the hallway because my older brother had his partner and his his child in in the bedroom that we shared. Um, my my younger brother slept in the lounge room, um, and my sister had her own room. And, and then was, there, there was obviously my mum and, and my um, my stepdad. So so you slept in the hallway? Yeah, for a, last, like, like a year and a bit of my life in Melbourne. Um, and that wasn't to say my mum and stuff weren't trying. They were trying their asses off. Yeah, no, but that's, that's yeah, yeah, it's just, it was the cards of doubt, mate. cards of doubt. I, yeah. I um, you know, my stepdad did everything he could to help raise us and, and um, had done a tremendous job who I obviously consider as my dad. He's, uh, he's a Kiwi, so I have a soft <laughs> spot. Go. So my younger brother and sister, who are technically my half-brother and sister, but we don't obviously classify as that, um, they, uh, they've got Kiwi in them. So we uh, have a little bit of a soft spot for the New Zealanders yeah. in anything that they do. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, it was quite rough. You know, I used to go to school when – um, you know, I didn't have, I used to do like, uh, I'm, I'm looking at your shoes now, but I, I used to do <laughs> events where we used to do cross countries and, and like school athletic state events where I was really good athletically, but you know, these kids were running in spikes and whatnot. We're running at Melbourne park. I was doing, what was I doing? I was doing the, um, grade six state hurdles. I was running in it, but I was running in like these and one basketball shoes that were from Savers because that's all we could shop from. And um, I'm running against these kids and legit they're wearing like, you know, you can get those running shorts where there's like a zip in the, it's like a cut in the um, shorts. They look really cool mm. running wise. You wear them in preseason. I was wearing these school shorts that were like all the way down to here, had these M1 basketball shoes and I just, just looked out of place and that was all I knew. And, and I know, you know, there was times in primary school where it was hard for myself and it was hard for Amelia, who I've just spoken about, because we kind of le- leaned on each other a lot and kids were, you know, kids say what they see and sometimes they can be like, oh, how come you've got holes in your shoes or mm. why do you have holes in your pockets? Like I, I remember in high school from year seven till nine, I had the same pants that had, by the time I was in year nine, the pockets, so you can pull your pocket out and have a pocket. I had holes in them. So- Sometimes I'd forget. I'd put my phone in my pocket and fall down to my <laughs> fall out of my pants. And I'm like, oh shit! I don't have a I don't have a pocket. So no, no, um, well, even like sometimes, uh, you like, didn't you just bring an extra sandwich? Just like throw it in your always. Yes, yeah, like yeah. Do, people don't always. know that about no, you. No, no, I, I and I think that's crazy because I'm like, yep, it says it says a lot because I yeah. think a lot of people with that upbringing, which we know to an extent anyway, mm. don't always don't they don't become AFL footballers. No way, mate. And it could have been easy for me to go down and blow like my my. Older brother was my idol, like he, and he and I love him to bits, and I always will. And but he was—he'd be the first to admit he went down the wrong path, or he did some really bad things, mm. um, where he got in a lot of trouble, and police got involved. And he's great—you know—he's got a beautiful family now, and he's done really well for himself now. But you know, I could have easily gone down that path. I mean, I seen—you know—I was around, um, you know, drugs when I was young, like in just in that neighborhood. Like I yeah. would see it. And yeah. it'd be like, wow, like this is no, – It's, norm, it's, it's normalised. It's you know? normal. It's That's the thing. That yeah. was normalised and stuff yeah. that, um, you know, I could have easily gone down that path of just following people or crowds that I were around. But footy was always something – or sport in general was something that I was always good at. I could tell that athletically I had a gift and something that if I take this for granted, then who knows what's going to happen to me. And I never wanted to. And – I realized when I was young, for some reason, I just had this competitive nature, no matter what it was. Mm. And when I was 10, 11, 12, I always just wanted to win at everything. And put that with an athletic ability, it go, kind of goes hand in hand. So when I was 13, 14, 15, I realized that, you know, I, I'm pretty good at footy. So for me to get out of this situation that I'm in and try to help my family for the rest of my life, Throw all my eggs into that basket. So Sport that's was what I vehicle. did. Was that, oh, it was, was that mate. the gate? Was that oh, the gate? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I know it's funny. I always say at school, like I, I was popular only because of my sporting ability. Mm. Other than that, like I know people would have laughed at me because of the way I looked and what I was wearing and all this stuff. But yeah, it was something that I kind of, you know, rolled with. And and no doubt, I, I've openly spoken about my mental health challenges, and a lot of that stems from 
my childhood. A lot of it stems yeah. from feeling out of place and, you know, I always get anxious and feel anxiety when I'm in a new environment or whatever it may well, be. Like the, and a lot the, of that the trade with that. the pies to the yeah. Bulldogs is exactly what you said before. A lot of it comes from that stems childhood, from that, you know. Yeah. A lot of it comes from feeling, you know, unwanted and um, out of place and undeserved of where I am. So, yeah, I wouldn't be – there's no way I'd be the person that I am um, without the upbringing that I have. And that's why, you know, it's hard – now for Georgie, because she's only three and a half, but we're still trying to get in early with Georgie, Kim and I, trying to get in real early about teaching her that, you know, you've got to understand that you just don't just get what you want. And mm. we're fortunate enough to give her what she wants. Yeah, and I always try and get it into her mind at a young age because she wants every toy. She sees things and she wants everything. And it's hard for me not to give it to her because yeah, I love yeah, her. She's well, my yeah. whole world. I want to give her whatever you she wants. You couldn't have that. Yeah. You probably wanted that as a kid. So now extent, I'm, right? I'm, at, I'm at an age, she's at an age where she can kind of reason in a way. So like, for mm. instance, she wanted a, mentioned Paw Patrol at the start. She wanted a Paw Patrol <laughs> toy that cost like 80 bucks versus a- versus <laughs> a taste. <laughs> yeah, versus there was this bulb. She's into Pokemon. So she was this Bulbasaur toy where she's got the collection of Pokemon, but she doesn't have a Bulbasaur. It costs her $15. And I was trying to explain to her like, Georgie, like this $80 toy, like- I can't afford this, you know. There's people out there that can't afford this. You're you're lucky, George. You're in a position where your parents. I was like, you know, my mum when I was your age, mum wasn't able to able to buy this. You know, this is really hard for us. And I tried to explain Can that she to comprehend her. That? She did. Yeah. She oh, goes, wow, oh, okay, girl. daddy. She goes, okay, daddy. Oh, we'll get the Bulbasaur toy. So we walked out of Target, avoided the Paw Patrol toy, walked straight past it, and went and got the Bulbasaur toy. Oh. So. Trying to reason with that's her. That's good though yeah. because you could easily have just bought yeah, that toy yeah, for her and like, man, yeah. but that's the principles that you said. Well, in. I can't wait till she's at an age where she can understand a lot more and I want to take her down to where I grew up. You know, the house mm. has been knocked down now. Um, there's been um, apartment blocks put on it and I want to show her the area. I want to show her. Did you have a, did you, did you have a window or something like that? No, there's a hole in the window. Yeah, so, a hole in the window. Yeah. So people just yeah, to so come Emilio, talk into it. Yeah, yeah, he used to put his hand in. So yeah, what's funny like, is um, people, my brother, my older brother lived obviously in that window. That was our bedroom. Well, it was his bedroom because I was in the hallway. Um, when we used to order Domino's, he used to order Domino's pizza and there was the window. So the front the front car park, you could either access, come like see a front of the house, you could see the windows or you walk down like the little walkway into the door. Instead, of, it got to a point where the Domino's was ordered that frequently, he'd just come to the window. <laughs> <laughs> and so he would like put his hand through the window and literally, <laughs> so funny. So <laughs> just give, and sometimes, so our stepdad obviously well, they didn't communicate with Trav about ordering pizza. So sometimes he'd order Domino's, sometimes Trav would. My, my brother's name's yeah. Trav. And Trav would commonly order the Domino's probably 80% of the time versus Ken, my stepdad, 20% of the time. Sometimes when Ken would order, Trav would see a Domino's come in and be go, oh, no, that's not for me, mate. So he'd go like through the front door. So the Domino's got to a point where they realised they it's going just going to be taken the window. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, we had a hole in our window for a bit and um, – oh, for a bit, for my last four years of living there and, oh, mate, it was, yeah, challenging time sometimes. But, um, yeah, it's definitely made me the person that but I am. But you were pretty dedicated back then because this is probably the last sort of question around that era, but like um, uh, he'll, he'll love the shout-out here, but his famous story, he was riding his bike yeah. around the neighbourhood and somehow he's just – like, it's so funny, that area, they just can't understand the – like the journey of the athlete because he's rode over and he sees you doing a running session oh, at like 15, 16 and he's like, bro, what the fuck are you yeah, doing? Like, what are you like, doing? Like, why? why? <laughs> like, it's nah, fucking like, put, let's go out, yeah. let's do something. <laughs> put it into context, there was like, it would have been either just before Christmas or just after. So it's around <laughs> December 30. Like footy doesn't start till March. Where? Well, April. Where? Like I was 16 and – um. I, that was where I was at. I just thought, no, I need to. This is where I need to start dedicating myself to training. And then Emilio would all would always hang out, go ride our bikes around Dandenong. We'd get new phones and um and just like hang out on the phone and just do some funny things. But yeah, I remember him coming down there and he's literally said what you just said. He, what are you? What the fuck are you doing? Like yeah, the way he said the way he explained yeah, to me, what? I can't. I laugh at it. What are you doing? Yeah, like, stop running. Get out of here. Yeah. It's, it's thirty degrees. Let's go. Watch let's a go. Movie, yeah. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? I commonly um, but you know what's even funny? He actually sat there and watched me for the rest of the running session. Didn't yeah. join me. He just sat there and watched. <laughs> Did he? Nah, and, uh, good didn't man. join me. But yeah, it was pretty good funny. Man. Uh, just to go back into a bit of the the early doors of your journey and. Um, obviously GWS doing pretty well um, at the moment. They're probably going to be back again around there sort of next year, aren't they? Yeah, and, yeah, they are. Uh, 
the early phases Josh Bruce has spoken about uh, on this show, he gave us some insight of like the kind of local aspect of local footy club kind of vibe, but at the same time, a lot of fun. Yep. For you, how was those early days in that, that yeah. environment? I don't think oh, I've ever asked you this. No, no, you haven't. I, um, I, I look back now and some of the most um, – uh, not oh, the funnest times of my life purely because you're just so naive and young and you aspire to be an AFL player that you just kind of take it for granted in a way, but you just, it's a good thing. Like you're not worrying about other stuff where when I got traded to Collingwood and going through the trade period, then Bulldogs, like you're getting older and you realize it's, it's a business. You realize that, you know, it's, there's a lot of a mental side comes to it and performance anxiety and whatnot. So being there at that young age around 18 other 20 other 18-year-olds, like it was just the funnest time mm. of my life. We would play games and um, whether we won or lost, it just wouldn't matter. Like mm. we were playing, we we're doing recovery out at um, Bronte Beach and, you know, boys would go out after a 160-point loss and have some beers <laughs> and just have fun. That's actually like, important. Yeah, yeah after a 160-point loss, you need to go out. You know, but I remember like, um, again, I still had a, you know, a desire and want to like be as professional as ever. So there was times when – you know, I just, you know, I would just fully commit to training and we wouldn't, you know, a lot of a lot of the guys that went through the times like Josh Bruce and Toby mm-hmm. Green, Devin Smith, Dylan Shield, Tom Bug, these guys who experienced that with me, they would say that, um, you know, it was easy to fall into the trap of just living the life of an AFL player and that's mm-hmm. playing, going out, having a good time, playing, going out, having a good time. And a lot of the times I was naive with that and I would, you know, commit myself to fully training and take a little bit of that for granted as well. And mm-hmm. if I had my time again, I'd probably, you know, relax a little bit more. Um, were you, have you, cause you're, I'd say, yeah, were you intense absolutely. coming in too intense yeah. by, by your own like, hindsight man. now? It's just cause I was so, it's all I knew. And yeah, like, I just I can wanted relate to, to that though, man. I was I just, just I, drove mate, myself, I drove myself insane. So I just wanted to be successful and I felt like this is the way you've got to do it. Yeah. Like you can't drink, you can't, can't do it. Can't have fun. Like you can't yeah. do anything. And yeah. so I just wouldn't. There were, believe me, there were times I did, but largely the times I didn't. So yeah. if I could go back and have my time again, um, we get around that side of things, I probably would. I would go back and live it a little bit differently because, you know, I felt I probably feel like I could have turned out um, all the same player, but like you know enjoy my time a little bit more rather yeah. than it being a time where I just stressed about being an AFL player. Yeah. Cause well, with, when you're intense, like, like that, cause I a hundred percent, well, I don't know if you had the follow on effect of that, but then your kind of mood can be a bit dictated by oh, for, yeah. performance and form. Yeah. And that's where you start to lose like, yeah. Yeah, you know, perspective, perspective. Correct. And like, you know what it affects as well? Like players, your teammates don't know what you're thinking unless you're mm. talking. And again, this is, and this has shown how far we've come. Even then, no one really spoke about feelings. And this was only back in 2010, emotions yeah. and mentally how yeah. you're going. Yeah. But not that that was an issue. It was more you can be seen as being someone who only cares about himself or is selfish or only worries about himself. And I've got no doubt players would have seen that and thought mm. that about me. But, you know, I would – I know that you know the person that I am and my friends know the person that I am. I don't have a selfish bone in my body. I don't care about things other than winning and and being a good human being. But back then, as you said, when you're not performing well and you're so, so worried about how, you know, if you're doing the right thing or wrong thing, you can be seen as being angry or be seen as being someone who is, you know, he's just only caring about himself. When you're not, deep down, you know what you care about, but you can't show that because you're just so – you want Driven. to be great. Yeah, yeah that's just what it wanted, is. That's so, yeah, it's, yeah, 100%. Yeah, but, but I had some great times. Like I I look back on my first year there, which was the NEFL year when we were working out of the Rudy Hill RSL, um, <laughs> you a, know. That's a dangerous oh, spot there, man. I've stayed we there were, before. Oh, we, it was, so we, we needed a swipe card to get into the facility because it was an RSL, legit an RSL. Yeah. We had an old dance floor as our facility. Uh, as our like club, but we would use the 155 gym that was six flights of stairs to get up to <laughs> the gym across the the road, and that was a public gym. So we're this professional AFL club, and we're using a public gym where that many people go. I remember the first gym session that I did; it was quite funny. First gym session, walked in, we're wearing this bright orange, like bright orange. It looked like mm. we're wearing high vis work work tops, and you know, there's like. 20 18 year olds that have walked in to do a gym session and as i said it's a public gym people you know you've got to fight for the bench press and whatnot (laughs) 
We've walked over, and I remember looking at this squat rack, and like I hadn't touched a weight. I was seventy kilos, ringing wet, like I was skinny ass, <laughs> and we all were. And I remember looking over at this guy, and he was this short fella. He would have been, well, I don't know, he would have been five nine maybe short, but he was built, built like a built huge. And I remember he was doing squats, like these aster grass squats. So he was doing squats. And I'd never seen Jim before in my life. He's doing these squats where he's squatting aster grass about 180, 190 kilos, five or six reps, finished it. And then he was supersetting it with backflips. Oh, get out. <laughs> I'm serious. Get out. He's doing backflips. <laughs> I promise Super you. Supersets. So he's doing, so he's done like five or six reps, 190 kilos, aster grass, supersetting it with backflips. <laughs> That's just, and yeah. we're like, yeah. what the heck? Yeah. Well, I'm benching freaking 60 Welcome kilos. Like, yeah. So going through stuff like that and um, we would have like the fat club guys that would be, you know, 50 or 60 I think it was 60 might have been the skin fault. It skin might have been fault. 50. But like 50 is still pretty – that's that's not too fat, AFL, though. AFL, though, yeah, you've got to be lean. And yeah, we well, had Choco and guys like that who were – So what, what, what's like – because I reckon anything below sort of like 35 is borderline freaking that's, – that's, that's, that's like that's there's, like nothing, there's nothing yeah. there. Man. I think I think the, like 40, the happy medium is about 40 to 50 now. Yeah, but okay. one, the, one thing great about our footy club is the Bulldogs, that is, we don't really worry too much about skin folds. It's more DEXA scans and body fat percentage oh, so nowadays. For, I, think it, I feel like it's moving on a little bit. Thank God. But anyway, we used to have like fat club there and if, if that's what they called the fat club. And um, <laughs> we, you'd have to do sessions in the public gym after hours with all the other – but you've got to be wearing the Giants kit. So it's just oh, – like I'm jumping torture. on the cross trainer doing cross trainers with like – Random people have just finished work. So it was – As an AFL oh, We had people going – we had like Sam Daly, Jacob Townsend, um, guys that were playing there, d- finishing year 12, mm. doing school from nine to four and then catching the bus to Rudy Hill RSL to train in their Giants kit out at, you know, out in the 155 public gym. So, yeah, it was quite a fun, unique experience for us. Oh, I love it, mate. I love the uh, – there's so many – what I've learned throughout my journey in this podcast is the amount of – incredibly left field stories that have come out of the early stages of GWS that are pure gold. Yes. yes. Like things that would, the fact that they're in a prelim and they've, you know, got one of the, some of the best players in the competition, they've gone to a grand final. When you hear some of these stories, it just doesn't make sense. Mate, even, (laughs) even we then had a facility that was, ended up being too small. So we were promised the world in a Mm. way. So we were at Rudy Hill RSL first season. We were based out at Blacktown, but the facility is too small. So they've then gone, all right, well, next season we're building this brand new facility, which is their facility now out at Olympic Park, which is a beautiful state-of-the-art facility. But for a 12-month period, we didn't want to work out at Blacktown. So we relocated to the Ath Track, which was which was the Sydney Olympic Ath Track where we had two rooms pretty much underneath the Ath Track that was shared with – oh, I couldn't even imagine how many people. There was only – one car park, which was a two <laughs> 2k walk up the hill. <laughs> See, so shit, if, if you've got, got, got an eight fifteen meeting, you got to get there at seven thirty just to make sure you just to make sure you walk <laughs> up the know, hill. You if you won player of the week, you you were given the the park of the week, which was right outside the facility because there was only one park allowed. So um, uh. we we experienced that as well, which was quite oh, just the times that you had um, can never take for granted. So I'm yeah. hoping, not hoping, it'd be interesting to see how the Tasmanian team kind of go about their introduction into, you know, their first couple of years because, um, yeah, I feel like you'll never experience what uh, we were able to experience. Uh, uh, well, yeah, pretty pretty special stuff. Um, you've spoken about your time at Collingham quite a bit, so I'm not going to go too hard onto it because I think we even spoke about it on my podcast before, mm-hmm. but I want to try and ask you some things that you haven't probably been asked about it. Yep. Um, best thing you got out of your time at Collingwood that – in your eyes. Oh, I think the easy answer would be the relationships that you build, but I'm not going to answer that because that's the answer for every club. I, I think being able to- I'm probably talking more as like yeah, an individual slash uh, player. Oh, More okay. so than like, obviously, yeah, the mm, change, rooms, and fucking, change rooms and fans, you know that's the always going to be The biggest thing I got out as a player, I would say, oh, I'd probably say the exposure, This because this helped me as a player, the exposure to an elite- Facility, what that's like. Mm. Yeah, well, fuck, based off what you're that. saying, going yeah. into what I say, AIA yeah. now. Because the Giants were still going through. So now they've upgraded a lot. But yeah, my, they're great now. Yeah. yeah they? So my first, my last year and a half there, it was great for what it was worth. But they've updated even more where Collingwood was straight into an elite facility. And I mm. could see how that probably fast tracked, yeah, your your development as a player. Um, mm. 
so there's a lot of things that I loved about being there. But, yeah, that was probably, yeah, I'll probably say that. And not taking, like, you got to be a part of a club that was the biggest club in the land. And that is pretty cool because I still now commonly get stopped from Collingwood fans. So mm. I'm three years moved on yeah, from you're playing like, there. Your love's your love, but there. Because yeah, especially how it all went down yeah, towards yeah. the end, it's like, yeah. mate, he literally was um, yeah. was open that he. But I still get stopped, man, and I, and I love it. I love the. Mm. You know, I know a lot of people joke about the Collingwood Army, but they're a great army to play, a great fan base to play for, and I loved playing for him, and that was something I'll never take for granted. Yeah, well, you and you had some great. I mean, if you look, probably your touches to game mm. disposals to games, there would be yeah. a frightening yeah, statistic, yeah. I reckon, because yeah, you had yeah. some big numbers there, particularly yeah, across yeah. a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anzac Day medal. Just, I know it's a one game thing, but like, do you hold that? Absolutely. I reckon that's such a sick award, man. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I am very proud to have achieved something like that. That's something that, you know, you never take for granted because we're one of two teams that gets to represent Anzac Day and um, to have my name as an Anzac Day medalist. Like that's, yeah, if they always talk about that that oh, week. always, yeah. You're, yeah. you're going to have some big cashies that week yeah, for the rest yeah, of your life. Yeah, <laughs> Dane yeah. Dane Swan, so he, he always talks about yeah. his favourite week of the year. Anzac Day, yeah, <laughs> so extremely proud. That's even just the fact to play in those games, like they're – you know, mm. that's just part of the reason why I wanted to go to Collingwood. And um, I know every player that has played in those games never, never take anything like that for granted. And mm. even like the now I feel like the big freeze game is as big as ever as well. And mm. um, that is is on the trend to get as – to be as big. I don't think it will ever be as big as Anzac Day because that's just a, a, an enormous time in, too, our, so, yeah. in our country, in New Zealand as well. But also the big freeze is right up there as well and being able yeah. to experience that. That's going to get bigger every year. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, like, it already I was, is, I guess. And but. I was one of the – I think I was maybe the sec – because they have a, a trophy for that now. It's the Neil Danaher Trophy. Oh, great. And each player after the game gets presented at the best on ground by a thing. And I was able to win that as well, which is something that I hold proudly yeah, as well. I just got a yeah. few medals stacking up there. Well, yeah. So I've got that next to the – so they're probably two of the proudest things just because of – it's not just any best on ground, you know what I mean? Like it's something that um, you've been able to perform in a, in a um, significant game that is – It is. It's a different you know, game. It's yeah, not a normal fixture. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that's going that's through the roof now, the big freeze game. So, yeah. yeah, they're two of the proudest games that I've, I've played in. But if I uh, – it's one of my favourite press conferences with you and uh, Bucks Fuck after it. Yeah. You threw it on Bucks yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah, like he's got his Anzac Day medal on and like, yeah, you had one or something. Bucks oh, like, no, 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 I, never, no, I didn't win one. He's like, oh, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Well, he won everything, so yeah. I, I no, would have just I would have thought he'd yeah, won the Anzac yeah. Day. Hey, mate, no, what's his name? Mark McGough's got yeah, one. Mark Bucks McGough doesn't have one. Yes. <laughs> doesn't have one. There's players that have won some that um, aren't necessarily household names, so it's pretty funny. Um, well, I'm going to just give you a quick uh, sort of fun fun ones here that'll be quick fire because I know you've got to get to Paw Paw Patrol <laughs> with uh, Paw Patrol. Yeah, Paw Patrol, <laughs> sorry. Um, but uh, one thing I did really – one of the clips that went sort of viral, I think off your pod, was your – um, sort of big rap on Nick Dacos. Ooh. I just wanted to go into that a bit more with you because um, I want to kind of know who your toughest opposition players are and teams that you played against this year. But just Dacos quickly, your yeah, he's a super, viewer, uh, he's a star, mate. Oh, he he for, for what he's done at his age, twenty. Like you've got to bring the age factor into it because no one does what he's done at the age of twenty, and like he arguably. Probably could have won the Brownlow if he didn't miss six have games. Won on twenty eight votes, haven't they? Oh, mate. in the past, less yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah, know. and yeah, the, just the way it's hard to explain as a player because you know he a lot of these players that win Brownlows and are put on a pedestal, like they win, they're unbelievable stoppage, contest the ball winning players who you know break away from packs from winning the ball in close. And like he would, I feel like Dakes and a lot of people would say he's the first to admit he's not that player, but that's okay because he doesn't need to be that player. Mm. He strengths as a player who can get on the end of a chain and use his legs and create is probably as good as I've seen from anybody. Mm. And mm. if he gets the ball in a in a situation where, you know, it's not necessarily a contested situation, but it's him like 70-30 where he's the 70% of winning the ball, you're not going to tackle him because he's – First step is as again so powerful, as good as anybody. It's the same as like, Josh Dacos is the same. Yeah. Their agility is again as good as anyone I've seen, and their that's what his ability well. is. Yeah. yeah, and you always see people like you know in the world that we live in with social media and everyone trying to bring people down. Like always see people rag on Nick Dacos about contested and if he gets tagged and this and that. But it's like it's rubbish because of take like not everyone is going to be good at everything. 
Yeah. You know, Patrick Cripps, Brownlow Medalist champion, he's not going to break away speed, take three bounces, kick a goal from like 50, yeah. that yeah. kind of yeah. ability. He's contest the ball. That's not Nick Dacos. And what I've seen is <clears throat> his ability to break away, get on the end of change, his, uh, chains, his running power and ability is second to none. Like mm. you see him watching a game where you're watching the commentary or watching a game on Channel 7, whatever, and you see a chain happening of handballs, but you see in the corner of your eye, you might see Nick Dacos take off. Mm. And that is a, an ability in itself. He does that and a lot of players can't do that. Yeah. And he ends up getting on the chain. Yeah. And then when he gets on the end of the chain, you'd think he'd be stuffed because he's made a 50-meter effort. Nah, he still has another gear to go where he can take someone on. Super fit. And then – his decision-making and his ability to hit the kick, there's a difference. People can have a decision-making but then be, you know, 50-50. I've got the ability to make a decision, but I can't hit the kick. Mm. He has the ability to make up a decision that's extremely hard and then execute under mm. fatigue is, again, as good as anyone I've seen. So, yeah. mate, he is incredible. And the year that he's had, mate, like that, oh, unbelievable. And people put into context, they were from the potty, they were saying – I think he's the best player that I've seen. I'm not saying that because Gary Ablett and Dustin Martin and Chris Judd, these guys are – mate, these guys are the best players that I've seen. I'm saying now in the moment, this year, going up against him, he was – in a game, he was the best player that I played against in a game this year, easily. That is a, that is oh, massive. Couldn't stop. Like that's we what couldn't I thought stop you said. No, nah, that's what I thought you him. said. Then I thought so, you yeah. said you were gonna like he he could go on to have oh, those he type could, of yeah. yeah. Don't you know tell I me. Mean? He's that he type definitely of make. Could. Yeah, but yeah. he's a different player. Like, Mate, that's what I mean. Huge rap. contested side of things. Like he's different to Gary Ablett. Gary Ablett was beast. He'd win inside, mm. but Dacos doesn't need to do that. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? So is Dacos more like just to last sort of comment that was that um. He's kind of the one that you kind of like, fuck, this guy is that good. Oh. Even if you weren't sort of man to man, he was the one that sort of yeah. not took your breath away as yeah. such, but like that guy's doing different stuff oh, to anyone mate, else. Yeah. His decision-making, his execution, like even the game on the weekend, he had that look-away handball. Do you remember that on the wing yeah. where he was running that way and he went like that? And mate, after like four or five weeks out. He was running and he laced him. Yeah. And <laughs> it's it's just, just like, like he's come mate. back in like he hasn't left. Yeah, you <laughs> can't teach that. And like – It's work ethic and mentality. You know, and people can say you tag him. And he got tagged obviously one game this year where he got stopped by Finn McGuinness. Granted, he hurt himself, so mm. that obviously contributed, mm. but like, very rarely are you going to be able to stop this guy. Oh, it's the consistency is what amazes yeah. me in a second yeah. not so much his ability. Mm. Yeah, be and that it's just consistent. a pleasure. It's a joy and a pleasure to watch him play. Like, yeah. I sit there and watch him, and I'm just like, wow. Like, yeah. let's not bring the kid down. Let's just not take for granted what we're seeing. This guy is a superstar. He's mm. in his second year, and he's a, he's already in the echelon of one of the best players in the competition. Got to embrace it. Mm. Um Best, well, without going into day, because I don't know if you matched up against him when you played, but best player you matched up with this year for you? I won't, I didn't necessarily, necessarily match up against Dacos. Not down or anything, yeah. but like just um, one you thought, fuck, this guy's a great player. Best player I matched up on, oh, I'd say. The toughest opponent, I guess. It's mm, a good way of framing it. Yeah, I'd say guy like, oh, Josh Kelly was good. I'll tell you someone who really impressed me, and I don't know how this is going to receive, Jason Horn Francis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I um what what exactly was two things he's got great speed and power away from the contest so if I wasn't if I lost touch with him and he got away you know I'm past the age now of having that like I can still I've still got speed but that was my one would but yeah I see now if he if I give him two or three meters he's gone he, and he kicked an unbelievable goal against yeah, you guys that yeah. was probably the the clinch yeah it in was the game, yes wasn't it? yes and and secondly he's he doesn't lack the um, confidence to do that. Like he takes you on mm. and a lot of the time he gets away from it. Uh, he gets away from you and then his ability to be able to fend and get through the contest. So like, I don't want to give an easy answer like Josh Kelly. Award. So Jason or Francis. No, that's good to know. He, he, yeah. I, I genuinely think he, he could a be a season. superstar. Yeah. He pulled 16 votes yeah, in the Brownlow like, and yeah. um, probably should have been 13 minus the uh, three that we mentioned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With the 13 as yeah, we broke that one down tackle. pretty well at this point. Um, but no, nah, <laughs> he was extremely impressive. Uh, best team. Um, that you found this year against the Bulldogs? Or, that, that, I mean, naturally, you're probably people are going to think of the obvious answers, but. No, nah, it can't be Brisbane because we, we beat them. We yeah, played well, them once and beat them. But they're obviously, they're, I thought they're the best team. I think they're the best team of the year. Um, I think to a game where, oh, I don't want to say Collingham because they were able to come. Oh, I'd say the Giants. Giants, really? Yeah, because they, we had a. This was when they were just starting their run. I think they'd won maybe three or four in a row, but there was still a question mark around them. Mm. Um, a lot of teams tipped us in Ballarat. No one really beats us in Ballarat. And uh, we had a 38-point lead in the third quarter, and they came back and beat us by 
Wow. Like four points. Toby Green kicked five in the second half. Um, they had guys dominate. But the way that they moved the ball, like, unbelievable. Yeah. The, uh, you, you just couldn't stop them. There you go. I'm loving those answers. Mm, They're a little mm, bit left field. Mm. Uh, well, final one that we always ask on the podcast. I don't think we had this tradition when you were last on, so this would be a good one to know. But um, we kind of attest three key traits to success, business or sport. Um, resilience, driver, ambition. I just want out of those three, which one resonates the most with you and your journey? Ooh. Because you've yeah, – three of them Yeah, well, there's three. Resilience, drive, ambition. I'd say oh, – I'm not going to say ambition because everyone has it. I don't want to say ambition, but although I did have it. Drive and resilience, far out there. Tough, huh? I mean, they're all intertwined, right? But yeah. like drive, the thing is you have – you've needed all three more than anyone. <laughs> yeah. So – Drive definitely because I'm always driven. I'd say resilience, yeah, yeah. resilience because – I've I love faced that. my fair share. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a hard one because they so resonate it's so a good much. Question, I'd man. say resilience because yeah. I think back to definitely my time. I had double hammy, was able to play in a granny that same year. Um, obviously got traded when I didn't want to, then was able to play in a granny that following year at the Bulldogs. Mm. Um yeah, and I'd say resilience. Too, yeah. yeah, and and I feel I feel like I've being able to play through some challenges, even Kimmy not being in the same state as me throughout the year and 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 obviously yeah. dealing with that. So, yeah, I'll definitely say resilience. It's a good one. Mate, love it. Adzi, great having you on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, for those that aren't watching the Ads and Dunks show as well, we'll quick plug on that. that Ads what? and Dunks potty, it's on the Oz American Aces channel, obviously. Um, we just uh, recorded our uh, last episode. So. Oh, right. so, so you're just home and away. Yeah, season. we're going to do uh, a home and away. We might do a couple of specials here and there, but yeah, um, a few NFL. thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. We've uh, we've loved, loved the game and... We want to start having guests next year, so ah, you're definitely going to be one of them. Yeah, mate, mate I'd love to. You on. We Abs- might do a crossover, the Unlaced, <laughs> the unlaced <laughs> yeah, yeah, Potty. Yeah, dial in. The yeah. Unlaced and the Ads and Dunks Potty. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Thanks for coming on, guys. Appreciate you all coming back on the show. Sorry for the absence. Uh, give us a like and subscribe. If you are new here, appreciate you coming along, and we'll see you next week. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details.